This is Plant-Based Briefing, The Psychological Toll of Killing Animals, PTSD and Slaughterhouse Workers, Part 2, by Emily Moran Barwick at bitesizevegan.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson, and this is the Curated Content Plant-Based Podcast, where I narrate a variety of articles on healthy, compassionate, and sustainable living in about 10 minutes or less every weekday. And today's article was longer than that, so it's a two-parter. I read part one yesterday, so go back and listen to that first if you haven't already, and then come back here for part two. So now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. The Psychological Toll of Killing Animals, PTSD and Slaughterhouse Workers, Part 2, by Emily Moran Barwick at bitesizevegan.org. The study relays one worker's recounting of his first kill, noting how, quote, the traumatic experience of the first kill is evident, as well as how this emotive experience fades into detachment, unquote, a later phase of the emotional timeline. He recalls, quote, the first time when I killed, it was not easy for me. I feel pity for it. I felt I just wanted to close my eyes, turn around and run away. It was really sad, but the more you do it, the easier it gets. Like yesterday, I had to shoot cows in the crawl, an enclosure for livestock. I climbed over the fence, walked to the cow, and just shot it. I feel nothing anymore. In the beginning, it was very bad, unquote. This eventual dissociation and emotional numbing is described time and again by slaughterhouse workers and is part of what the South African study refers to as the maladjustment phase. The need to dissociate, a fracturing of self. In an interview with journalist Ashita Nagesh, Dr. Chichi Obwaya, consultant psychiatrist at Nightingale Mental Health Hospital in London, spoke to the repetitive trauma experienced by slaughterhouse workers. With this kind of complex PTSD, Dr. Obwaya told Nagesh, quote, There's a sort of self-loathing that tends to emerge, a very strong dislike of oneself and loss of one's identity. That's what one would see in this particular group where the repetitive nature of the exposure to the trauma as a perpetrator then leads to this breakdown in the individual's identity, unquote. In his book, The Nazi Doctors, psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton coined the term doubling to refer to the formation of a second, relatively autonomous self, which enables one to participate in evil. Doubling is essentially the act of dividing oneself into separate selves, one self to kill, the other self to maintain one's sense of humanity and identity. It's the mind's survival mechanism for carrying out acts that are contrary to one's moral compass. Doubling could explain the disturbing duality I observed in the slaughterhouse worker in Virginia showing affection for a pig just prior to killing her. This dissociation is echoed in a striking account from Ed Van Winkle, a longtime slaughterhouse worker. Quote, The worst thing, worse than the physical danger, is the emotional toll. You develop an attitude that lets you kill things but doesn't let you care. You may look a hog in the eye that's walking around down in the blood pit with you and you may want to pet it. Pigs down on the kill floor have come up and nuzzled me like a puppy. Two minutes later, I had to kill them, beat them to death with a pipe. I can't care. Unquote. Ed Van Winkle, longtime slaughterhouse worker. Activist Virgil Butler writes in his moving post, Inside the Mind of a Killer, quote, The sheer amount of killing and blood can really get to you after a while, especially if you can't just shut down all emotion completely and turn into a robot zombie of death. You feel like part of a big death machine, pretty much treated that way as well. Out of desperation, you send your mind elsewhere so that you don't end up like those guys that lose it, like the guy that fell on his knees praying to God for forgiveness, or the guy they hauled off to the mental hospital that kept having nightmares that chickens were after him, unquote. 
In many ways, the dissociation experienced by slaughterhouse workers is an extreme version of the dissociation experienced by most people who consume animals. No one wants to think they have a hand in overt cruelty towards animals, so we as a society distance ourselves as much as possible from the actions we pay others to do to animals in our names. This dissociation is easier when you don't have to see what the animals go through, when you don't have to literally have their blood on your hands. For those doing the killing for consumers, the dissociation becomes extreme out of necessity. Are slaughterhouse workers more prone to violence? There's no arguing that the work of a slaughterhouse employee is violent, but are slaughterhouse workers more prone to violence as a whole? As a society, we have long acknowledged cruelty towards animals as an indicator of budding psychopathy. Yet slaughterhouse workers are paid and expected to carry out what amounts to torture upon thousands of sentient beings day in and day out. How could that not have an effect? Studies have found links between slaughterhouse work and increased crime rates, including domestic violence, sex offenses, murder, assault, burglary, arson, rape, theft, and larceny. One may argue that perhaps the communities surrounding slaughterhouses are overall more prone to crime. However, this possibility was accounted for in a well-known study by criminology professor Amy Fitzgerald. So, is it their work that makes them violent, or are violent people more drawn to that kind of work? While the latter may be true in some cases, studies and stories from slaughterhouse workers illustrate severe changes in personality, deadening of empathy, and increased aggression. For her harrowing book, Slaughterhouse, The Shocking Story of Greed, Neglect, and Inhumane Treatment Inside the U.S. Meat Industry, Gail A. Eisnitz spoke with Donnie Tice, a hog sticker, the worker who cuts the pig's throats. Tice recounted, quote, Down in the blood pit, they say that the smell of blood makes you aggressive, and it does. Another thing that happens is that you don't care about people's pain anymore. I used to be very sensitive about people's problems, willing to listen. After a while, you become desensitized, unquote. Slaughterhouse workers often turn to substance abuse and other maladaptive ways of coping with the trauma of their work. Ed Van Winkle, whom we heard from earlier, told Eisnitz, quote, Every sticker I know carries a gun, and every one of them would shoot you. Most stickers I know have been arrested for assault. A lot of them have problems with alcohol. They have to drink. They have no other way of dealing with killing live, kicking animals all day long, unquote. Animal Abuse versus Standard Practice Activist Virgil Butler and many other former and current slaughterhouse workers recount horrifying quote-unquote games workers would play with the living beings they were employed to kill. Whether ripping the head off of a chicken and placing it on their finger like a puppet, or purposefully not stunning a pig just to make it harder for the next worker to shackle them, or a number of other atrocities I'll spare you from, but about which you can read for yourself in the works I've cited throughout this article. For many workers, this sadistic behavior developed from the severe emotional detachment and stress of the job. While we like to think that abuse and cruelty within the animal industries are isolated events, a result of a few aberrant workers, this is simply not the case. I have multiple videos, articles, and even full-length speeches all linked here showing the reality of humane regulations and what the quote-unquote highest standards really mean for the animals themselves. The line that we draw between abuse and standard industry practice is arbitrary at best. Tossing live, conscious baby chicks into a meat grinder? Completely legal. In fact, it's the standard method dictated in the European Union's landmark humane regulations. Globally, we kill approximately 3.2 billion male baby chicks every year. Slamming piglets into the concrete floor, then tossing them into piles while many are still alive and twitching? Completely legal. 
tearing off the testicles of piglets and calves, cutting their teeth, notching their ears, searing brands into flesh, chopping off their tails, all without pain relief, completely legal. As you heard from Virgil Butler, even clear violations of the limited regulations or standards that may exist are not only allowed but actually required for employees to keep their job. Nothing can slow the speed of the line. I've personally spoken with slaughterhouse workers as well as read numerous accounts about cows regularly still being conscious as their skin is removed and they're dismembered. Nothing can slow down the line. When undercover videos come out documenting the inner workings of a slaughterhouse, the public is outraged and appalled. But what is never made clear in such exposés is which horrific acts captured are abuse and which are standard legal practice. When the line between cruel, psychopathic sadism and an everyday job task is so profoundly indistinguishable, shouldn't that at least give us pause? What's the solution? So, what, you may ask, is the solution? Some animal rights activists distribute flyers directly to slaughterhouse workers with information about finding alternative employment, crisis lines, addiction support, and legal help. Labor rights advocates propose things like stronger union representation and legal reform. In her book Slaughterhouse, Gail Eisnitz, in wondering why workers continued to put up with physically dangerous and psychologically damaging conditions year after year, asked, wasn't that what unions were for? So she asked a union official who informed her he'd raised many complaints about the extreme conditions and overt violations over the years, all to no avail. The local union president wrote to the state saying, quote, These are human beings and they need help. It's inhumane to subject man or beast to these conditions, unquote. Inspectors came but took no action, saying they, quote, observed slaughter procedures and have seen no problems with sticking hogs at this speed, unquote. However, even if officials were to listen and take action, even if we were to implement better worker safety, the fundamental reality of the job does not change. The psychological toll of taking hundreds to thousands of lives every day does not change. And the reality for the non-human animals certainly does not change. The solution for humans, non-humans, our planet, and our society as a whole is the same, to stop exploiting sentient beings. If nothing else, the deep and lasting psychological damage slaughterhouse workers experience is a testament to the profound impact of non-human animal suffering. The fact that their deaths can so devastate the human psyche must mean that their lives matter. In closing, I wish I had a quick and simple solution to offer for the immense toll our animal products industries take upon human and non-human animals alike. Perhaps you wish I could offer absolution from even having concern for the humans in these industries at all. What I can offer is what I always do, the reality of what you support when you purchase animal products. I can offer you the facts such that you can decide whether it's in line with your values to continue paying others to kill in your name. My hope is that you'll choose to go vegan, if not for the animals, then for your fellow humans. You can get started with my free How to Go Vegan guide linked here. You just listened to The Psychological Toll of Killing Animals, PTSD and Slaughterhouse Workers, Part 2, by Emily Moran Barwick at bitesizevegan.org, and I'm your host, Marian Erickson. I've done a couple other episodes on slaughterhouse workers. If you're interested, check out episodes 129 and 130, and I'll link those in the show notes. And I think we need to remain open to the fact that we might be coming from a position of privilege to say, I would never work in a slaughterhouse. Some people have no choice. Some people 
are raised in a culture where eating animals is normal and somebody's got to do that job. A lot of these slaughterhouses are in rural communities where it is just normal. Yeah, nobody wants to do that job, but it's not an evil job in their minds. It's just something that has to be done. They're feeding the world. And for people who don't necessarily care about animals, maybe they'll care about their fellow humans. Maybe they'd consider the physical and psychological toll that's being placed on these workers because of their demand for eggs, dairy, and meat. Wouldn't it be wonderful if more and more people decided to live a vegan lifestyle and these jobs go away and instead, jobs are created in the plant-based agriculture industry and with alt-proteins, giving people a more humane way to earn a living. Please share this episode with anyone who might benefit and thanks for listening.